Good morning. Uh, I'm Nancy Nethercott. This is loud. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, serving at the table here as deacon and as missionary in residence. I also serve on the vestry and the healing prayer team and being trained to be a DNA group leader at some point. And as part of the College of Preachers, it is my um, great honor and privilege to proclaim the word of God in our midst, the good news uh, in our midst, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I've chosen to speak from James 3 this morning. Um, That was intentional, but I think that we should maybe just start with a time of silent contemplative prayer um, on a text that begins with a strong warning to those who would assume the role of a teacher. But I think that we all at some point in our lives are teachers. I think even little children teach those who are younger than they to tie their shoes or to color or maybe older kids to, ride a, to teach a younger child to ride a bike. So like the rest of scripture, I think this, is, this chapter is for all of us. Actually, I chose this text. James 3 and I have history. Uh, when, <laughs> yes. When I was eight and in the third grade, I memorized this whole chapter in the King James Version, of course, and wrote it out neatly ten times. Quite impressive for an eight-year-old, you might think. Uh, Good for you to hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. Certainly, that was the intent of the exercise, though I must confess it was not of my own volition to enter into this exercise. Um, We can talk another time about the use of Scripture for punishment, but... Just saying. I I, I deleted that sentence when I sent this to my parents (laughs) to read. Um, But my tongue had gotten looser and looser. And when washing my mouth out with soap did not deter me, the final straw of my calling the younger neighbor girl fat led my parents to try this approach, believing that, as 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Scripture is profitable for correction. Thankfully, this did help me to give pause before blasting other people, since I had words of caution hidden in my heart. Even though, even more to be thankful for, was that it did not turn me away from loving to memorize scripture. So reflecting on this memory while immersing myself freshly in the text made me aware that my words had become a way for me to be noticed, to fill a need for belonging, but not in a healthy way. I spent a lot of time over the years trying to control my tongue, but it wasn't until I literally offered my heart and my tongue to God that I felt empowered to be slow to speak and quick to listen, as James admonishes us back in chapter one of this book. And sitting with this text again also brought me to realize the good news that we proclaim today, that God's desire is not for us to try harder at controlling our thoughts, or our words, or our actions, but to offer our whole selves to God, giving up any semblance of control and letting the Holy Spirit and the Word transform us from the inside out. Well, a homily from this text could easily move quickly to judgment, criticism, and moralism, none of which would be edifying in the least. Or we might deflect and say, well, nobody's perfect, everyone makes a slip of the tongue now and then. Maybe you've been the receiver of callous words and then met with, I was just joking, or I didn't really mean that. 
Or maybe you remember hearing or even saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And then realizing that that is so not true as you cry yourself to sleep at night. The belief that physical injury is more painful than psychological or emotional injury is just not necessarily true. Scientific studies actually show that positive and negative words not only affect us on a deep psychological level, but they have significant impact on the outcome of our lives. Brain neuroscientists have proven that negative words, whether spoken, heard, thought, or read, as in an email, text, Twitter, or Facebook post, not only cause situational stress, but also contribute to long-term anxiety. James tells us right off the bat that the always dangerous act of speaking is fraught with even greater peril when the speech is accorded authority, when the one speaking is in a position of power. I've no doubt we can all recall a personal experience of being hurt by someone who wielded authority over us, or for sure the headlines of the past 10, 15, 20 years, stories of people in power, even religious leaders, who have used their words to control, demean, suppress, or belittle others come to mind when we talk about how words can be destructive and lead to stress and anxiety and fear. James uses traditional Jewish theology about the two sides of human nature, our dual capacities for righteousness and for wickedness, to think about this power of language here. Both the evil impulse and the good impulse mark us as human beings according to Jewish anthropology. And the righteous life is marked by the discipline of one's holding the evil impulse in check so that the good impulse leads one to do justice. As humans, we all have this propensity for bitter water to spew forth from the same source as sweet water, to go back to James's illustration in this chapter. Our gospel text today illustrates this duality of our nature as Peter first confesses Jesus to be the Christ, certainly a good impulse or sweet water. And then perhaps having been emboldened with a sense of confidence in his ability to say the right thing, he rebukes the man he just proclaimed to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, and is called out for those words being from Satan, certainly bitter water. We know from other instances that Peter was often quick to speak without thinking. Silence might have been a good spiritual discipline for Peter to embrace. It might be a good discipline for us to embrace as well. However, in the larger context of James, which is important to consider, it does not appear that silence or isolation is the answer. We're admonished to strive for control of speech, even though the reality of our experience would tell us that this is difficult, if not impossible. Just a little further in James 4, verse 7, he tells us to submit ourselves to God, which brings us back to that good news, that God's desire is not for us to work harder, controlling our thoughts, words, or actions, but to submit or to offer our whole selves to God letting the Holy Spirit and the Word transform us from the inside out. Our Isaiah passage gives us that glimpse of God's blessing and invitation of how to use our tongues, our words, as agents of justice and healing. The NIV, we, in the NIV, it says, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed 
tongue, to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. A well-instructed tongue to sustain the weary comes from spending time with God morning by morning, day by day. It's the way we form habits, doing things consistently and repetitively, not trying harder, but submitting to a healthy rhythm and the work of the Holy Spirit. During my first year in Japan, before I had much language ability, I realized that it was actually a good thing to not be able to respond or speak quickly because I didn't have the vocabulary, or at least I couldn't recall it quickly enough. I had to come face to face with my desire to belong and the way I was going about meeting that need by using words. It was a gift from God to be forced to cultivate a habit of being slow to speak, to take time to think about what I wanted to say and why. Over the years, as I've learned to offer my tongue and my words to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit has been doing transforming work in me, God has helped me to form two habits that enable me to continue this healthy way of being. One habit is what I call practicing the pause, like pressing a pause button uh, to breathe and give myself time before I respond or speak. The other habit is what I often do in that space of pausing and breathing. It's praying a breath prayer. And it comes from the end of Psalm 19, which says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Since that's a bit long for a breath prayer, I pray as I breathe in, may the words of my mouth, and then as I breathe out, be pleasing to you. Why don't you do that with me? Breathe in, may the words of my mouth, breathe out, be pleasing to you. This is a prayer I prayed even just before I came to share the word of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There are habits of speech and ways of listening that we practice here at the table and which are cultivated in meaningful ways like encouraging one another to name what's really going on in our lives, what we're noticing, our kairos. We listen and we then use words not to give advice or judge, but to engage in compassionate curiosity with questions. It's easy to tell others what we think they should do. It's hard to ask good questions and listen in a way that sustains the weary. It's a part of our culture here at the table, our DNA, something we value. Using words not from a place of power and authority, but lovingly coming alongside each other as we grow in Christ, embracing that good news that God's desire is not for us to work harder to control our words, thoughts, or actions, but to offer our whole selves to submit to God, allowing the Holy Spirit and the Word to transform us from the inside out. Ultimately, James does call us to consider, to examine ourselves closely. An examination in this chapter focused largely on the words that come out of our mouths to determine who we really are. This feels like an invitation from James to us. And it feels like an invitation from the Holy Spirit to us to pause, to be silent, to listen, and to offer ourselves wholly to God. We'll enter into a short time of silence now, during which I encourage you to consider what the Lord is inviting you 
to offer or submit. And after this season of silence, John will lead us in a prayer of response, allowing time and space to voice your prayers.